0: Um Rusty here live from uh the kitchen with uh the wonderful Jack Patterson and Rhys How are you guys? You're right? Yeah, good mate, how are you? I'm strong, I'm strong. Rhys, you good?
1: Yeah, very well, mate. Very well. Good to see you.
0: Good. And uh good of you, Jack, to move away from your England student shirt.
2: <laughs> you
0: were like, is it in? Can I see it? Can everyone see it? <laughs> <laughs>
2: I can sit with the Alan Shearer signed shirt behind me if you prefer. Fletcher would like that.
0: <laughs> uh, how's life, lads? What's going down? It um, must be strange times. You guys spending a bit more time away from the players. What's, uh, what's occurring?
2: Yeah, it is strange. There's no doubt. I think we're all, every, every single person is in a pretty strange situation. Everyone's saying the term uh, unprecedented times at the minute, aren't they? I didn't actually know what unprecedented was until recently, but now I'm saying it all the time. Um, but the only sort of one of the main positives, other than catching up with people like my girlfriend at home, who I don't get that much time with, and um, doing some DIY around the house, is actually just trying to be a bit more innovative with ideas around how we engage with the playing group at Irish. So, um, already, I know it's only been a few days already, we've been doing some pretty cool stuff, uh, sending them videos, just different ways they do it, their analysis and stuff like that. So, there has been an opportunity to, to have to be innovative. So, that's been quite good. I don't know how it's affected your side, Reese, around Coach Deb.
1: Well, it, it, I actually think it's a, it sounds really bad, but there's actually a real positive with it in the sense that you've got so much time to plan. And like, for me, coach education and the way we work with people and building rapport, like, you, you want time to do that, don't you? So out of the 37 coaches that like, we'll work with, I know I've got an opportunity to contact them getting get involved and just have some conversations with them over the phone away from the rugby environment get to know them a little bit better so we can develop them so i, I actually think it's a big positive but um yeah I, this depends how long it goes on for i suppose if we're sitting here <laughs> 6 months later going we haven't even had a rugby season maybe i'll be saying something different but
2: uh, i yeah. actually completely agree that i had a call with um fish on monday and he said this is the perfect time to get to know the the, these lads that we coach as people and not just talk to them about rugby and like tactical technical stuff all the time. So that's actually where we're putting our main focus. And I think he's spot on. It's the perfect time, isn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And coaches have time now, so they're not like as busy as they were. Um, and you guys have more time because you're probably driving less. Um, I'm going to ask you in a second about your journeys. Um, 37 coaches, just tell me more about that. So, Rich, you are... You are ACDO. You are a coach development officer for the mighty London Irish. What? Uh, where, where? Where? are these things? seven coaches come from?
1: Um, so we've got our three counties, which is uh, Middlesex, Hampshire, and Berkshire. So they kind of come from all over. Um, there's there's some good there's some names in there that you'll know. Like you got your Tom Redfern's. Uh, you just said Griff. Uh, there's a couple of guys from. There are a few like Tom Mowbray. Uh, grant halfway um the, the the joy i like of it is actually they're from all different backgrounds so you've got guys from the RFU, you've got people from schools you've got guys who are dads out in the out in the community game um
2: got well, meg yeah. jones and uh Emma Uren from England sevens yes exactly, yeah.
1: um, so their experience and so the, the different experiences is, is amazing but they all they all, all they're all kind of developing in a really unique way, um, which is the joy that I get out of my my part of coaching. Um, just seeing these guys go on their different journeys and how you can support each one differently because each one completely needs completely different ideas, different focuses. Um, yeah, it's been it's been a real be a really interesting year. Let's just say that um, I know it's, it's a shame at the moment with the coronavirus, but I've I've absolutely loved it this year. To be fair,
0: what? Uh, how did, where did the 37 come about so did they apply did you look at them and go these are the people we want to influence is there 23 of them that are good and 14 of them that you're thinking oh my days girls <laughs> are terrible we need to help them um, but, are, you, are you ponzi scheming coach development How, how's it come about
2: well when i when i started it was what two and a half years ago there was 11 coaches in total across the dpp um and I was actually one of those uh, volunteer coaches who would just help out, but it was like two coaches per age group. And if one of you couldn't make it, you had like one coach for the night for like with like 35, 40 boys. So the initial idea was that I wanted to introduce a model where we'd have three coaches per age group, uh, across each of the sites. Now, obviously we ex- expanded with a new site last season. So we've now got five sites, but, um, the model now would look like three coaches, so a lead coach and then two support coaches and then an SNC coach as well. We just felt we could get way more individual support into the boys, um, rather than just one coach frantically trying to coach a game whilst pick up with individuals, whilst develop the game, whilst spot things from a distance, like it was just too much. So we've sort of gone with that model. Um, and we feel if we go to if, if we get more coaches than that, so if it went to like four or five per age group, the coaches almost <laughs> don't get enough quality coaching time for themselves and for their development which we put a big emphasis on so trying to get that balance like three or four is probably the max that we want to get to really so I don't think it'll go too much more
1: well and at the end of the day they are volunteers so if someone can't turn up it's like it doesn't leave yeah. us empty-handed we just, like we value their time so um we want to make it
2: worthwhile <laughs> possible when they're, when they're there um yeah that Is uh make, is Meg coaching on the DPP she? Yeah, Meg and Emma, coach at Artistic site, they're brilliant. Like the energy they bring, their enthusiasm. Obviously, a lot of their ideas, I imagine, they get from training. They're brilliant. Um, just the way they build connection with the boys. Uh, it's cool because Meg's Meg's like very hands on. She'll start building rapport with the lads straight away and challenging them and um, and real building build some real good connection. And Emma's like takes a step back and she observes things really well, like especially from like a tactical perspective. And she'll feed things into like me and Grant and Griff, and we're like, oh, I didn't see that at all. So, just got a real good like diversity in our coaching group. I think it's brilliant.
0: Yeah, yeah there wouldn't be that many uh, female coaches working across um, the uh, academies, in my experience. How did How did you get to today? What's been your journeys? You tell me about them, lads. well
2: Gauri.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, well, well, I've known, obviously, I've known Jack for. A long time we grew up together um been quite lucky that we've gone through a journey pretty much together um we i suppose my path was different in the sense uh i didn't go to university i i was uh you
0: mean you didn't get students like jack <laughs> <laughs> <A little bit laughs> There's <that> <laughs> um you
1: get battered for that. <laughs> um went out that actually was uh went down a different bit of a different we went into like uh, Uh, personal training background so a very practical background Um, but just I was doing coaching on the side as well Um, down at my local club who I was playing for down at Windsor the mighty Windsor they'll they'll enjoy a shout out Um, and then uh, from there went to came in got a job um, with the RFU Um, that was actually the next step as a community rugby coach uh, in Berkshire loved it I just it was it was what i wanted to do and that was the moment i found my love for like going this is actually what i want to do for the rest of my life um then actually went took a different path very different uh, uh still as it still within the rfu uh went as an rdo um, I thought I needed to uh, get some experience in that, and if I was being honest, it's probably for my own self development, uh, and I'll be real honest <laughs> in the sense that. What do you mean by that?
0: What type of things were you learning from being an RDO?
1: Well, um, I never. So, like I said, I never went to university. I never uh, like understood the extent uh, of sitting in a laptop for um, <laughs> for hours on end, days on end, and understanding like, um, shall we say, handling emails and hand, how, how do you handle conversations and deal with some of the uh more grown-up side of life should we say um
0: so just to give people context there's a little bit more management (laughs)
1: yeah audio
0: versus a crc where you are often on the ground coaching supporting coaches in on the field
1: yeah yeah just doing what you love really and uh it was very much out of my comfort zone but i enjoyed it nonetheless um uh, I, I did that for another, like a year or so uh, and then this opportunity came up at Irish um, as the ACBO and I, I jumped in on that uh, at the beginning of well August last year so yeah
0: Cool yeah. And we'll definitely delve into some of the stuff you guys have been doing from coach development in the next hour or so uh, Jay Pat uh, after England students what happened?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I always, <laughs> always worried when I talk about like my background on my journey that I sound like that sort of guy who's trying to sound like he's the next Mourinho, who didn't make it as a player and is now trying to climb up through the coaching. Like, uh, I played at Ealing Trailfinders in the Championship for a season, but then had to retire, had uh, too many concussions, and then just went and worked in the city for like 18 months. I was so lost, if I'm honest. And uh, then Reese's dad actually said, Come and coach Windsor under 11s on Sunday morning. Did that fell in love with it did our two and then yeah to be honest Ty Sterry changed my life he had a vacancy when when I left the RFU after about 16 months to join Irish I actually um I wrote a card and, and I said I know you don't like being cheesy genuinely changed my life because I was working in the city and then for some reason he took a punt on me for a six week um so, so someone was ill at the RFU and they just needed cover for six weeks so I, I just stepped in quit my job uh in the city like full-time contract and everything and um and then the amount he supported me and, and pushed my development like completely changed everything for me. And now I'm sat here talking to you guys about coaching and coaching in like one of the best academies in the country. Like it's been an unbelievable journey. Like just been so lucky. So without trying to sound like the next Mourinho, which I think is a load of nonsense um, from my side. Like I've just been really lucky, right place, right time.
0: Nice. Um, and well, let's. Uh, so one of the um, questions Fletch asked was, "You can take." And uh, Peter Blackman asked a similar one: You can take three coaches to a barbecue. Peter Blackman said, talked about about a band. But who's, who's your who's, who's your coaches? Who's your three coaches? Both of you that you're taking to a taking to a party,
2: uh, and why? I'd have to have Rich Pryor, ace manager at London Irish, on <laughs> on, uh, on base in case, in case there's a scrum. <laughs> <laughs> he loves a scrum. Um, I think he'd look cool on base. Why, what have you noticed about Rich? What's your super strength? Rich's super strength. Um, honesty, proper good bloke, real good values, real good values. And I think that comes across in the way he interacts with you and how he interacts with the players. Like he, Everyone loves him. So I, was, I remember he told
0: me a story about coaching the first team scrum and uh, he started asking them some questions. And after a few moments of surprise, uh, they were he just said like the level of engagement and motivation was ridiculous I and mean, the feedback he got from it was, was class.
2: Well, I was actually speaking to him before he went into that meeting and he said, I he think was going to be quite vulnerable. Yeah. He said, so he went in and he said, guys, I haven't played at the level you guys played at, nowhere near. I've, I've had no experience similar to you guys, but I do, I do obviously care about the game a lot and I think about it a lot. And I just want to ask you some questions to maybe think a bit differently. And, yeah, the reception was brilliant. So credit to him for doing that. I think, yeah, a lot of people might just conform. So fair play to him.
0: Yeah, cool. Who have you reached? Jack's picked his first one for the party. Who have you picked? Who are you picking? Oh. Your first one.
1: First one for the party. I'll go, go someone bigger then. So I'll go someone like Brian Ashton because I just think it will get... Oh. Um, I think it will get... Uh, i like I like the way he looks at the game uh, I think he's quite stubborn on the way his opinions are, which is great um, and the way he believes in something uh, I'd find it the reason why I'd actually just find it, find it quite interesting to try and uh pick it apart to see if I could challenge it if that made sense um, i just I, I like i like the way he's looking at the game where he did look at the game so yeah. if
0: coronavirus finishes on the uh, september the twenty first Helen Ashton is organising a charity golf day, and you can come and play with me and we can quiz. <laughs> <laughs> so, coronavirus has passed in September. We are on for a date with Brian. Who's your second, Jack Pat? Who's your second?
2: Oh, so, Reese has gone like a big dog. So, um, not to say that Richard Fry isn't a big dog. Uh, I would go with Bobby Robson uh, on the drums. Bobby Robson in his prime on the drums. Why? I don't know, I don't know why on the drums. But, um, yeah, I think he's the the best coach ever in my opinion across all the sports. Just in, yeah. The, I mean the film, I don't know if he's seen the film more than a manager, but that little snippet with him and Gascoigne, I think that that's coaching in a in a nutshell.
0: Yeah, that's a good um I'm gonna watch it. Uh yeah, and and Gaza would be the classic, you know, how do we coach a Maverick? How do we get the best out of him? Yeah. And uh and so Bobby did a decent job of that.
2: Well Gaza doesn't it have to sense. keep
0: going up. It doesn't have to keep escalating. So Reese, don't worry you don't have to pick like someone who's won multiple world cups to go ahead of and... sir so bobby you can pick anyone who's your second coach
1: <laughs> yeah i was going to go high and then get work my way down and just go back to community coaches so um yeah i uh my second my second uh i'll probably look back in irish again i, I really enjoy coaching with pierre clark um he's uh he's uh why would i get stuck with him because actually when we coach together like we just it's just laughter um and i, I like to find that one of the most important bits uh it's serious when it needs to be but actually the enjoyment we have in it is uh probably beyond anything else so uh, i'd say here yeah, with him yeah, I'd definitely have him on my, on my desert island. Was that the question? The desert island? No,
0: well, I think really. What, um, why, what, what's, what's, what have you noticed, Jack,
2: about Pierre as well? Oh, I love coaching with him as well. He, um, he's always just looking to challenge like, the norm, the status quo. Um, the amount of times we'll just sit down and watch either a game together, um, our, our own sessions back from the analyst and, and we're just constantly tweaking but he's really happy to have quite honest conversations but know that it's not personal and he's happy to receive that as well and so he just creates a really healthy environment between the two of you when you coach um, yeah. big learning got no ego no ego
1: yeah that's it that's the big learning like when we first when he came in like in August time uh, he was similar time to me and actually to watch Pierre come from the RFU and then into the Irish setup, like just to see his journey and the way he's coaching now is uh, pretty phenomenal to be fair we talk about like people's development um it's it's credit to the environment that he's in i suppose but um he yeah as a a coach developer like watching him on his journey is just pretty cool and to be to be able to have been there like from the same time is um yeah it's pretty special and it's it's quite a unique relationship in that sense because uh yeah, the, the enjoyment factor goes out of the roof because, like Jack said, he doesn't take anything personally. So he just is there to be challenged and he will challenge back. Um, and he, he even says, Why are you taking it so personally? And he, uh, yeah, laugh
0: that's a good skill. He, yeah. definitely, uh, he definitely wouldn't be suited to being an RDA. <laughs> no. <okay. laughs> Although he might benefit from a week of it. Who's your third, Jack? Who's your third coach?
2: I'm going to Jonathan Fisher, front man.
0: I thought you were going to go Jonathan Fletcher. You've got Jonathan Oh,
2: sorry. Sorry. sorry.
0: I'm going to go on, tell me about
2: Fish. fish front man. Uh, yeah, absolutely love working. Well, the whole team at Irish, obviously, absolutely love working with. But uh, yeah, I think Fish, the future Fish has got in the game, um, his whole understanding of not just the game, but how to, about learning, how to interact with people, how to build connection, uh, things about language, the depth of, um, information he'll go into but also understand what the key message needs to be i just think yeah this guy's going so far uh and if i can help him on the journey in any way like it'd be a pleasure because yeah he's, he's, uh, he's very
0: thoughtful how would you make him better one thing that would make him a better coach
2: we actually have these conversations quite a bit um i think like, I, i'm the same like we can get quite intense at times and lose sight of of it um, like certainly before like a big gold training session um, yeah,
0: more high fives yeah, more high yeah fives.
2: just be pacing around uh, i'll get the same i'm the exact same but actually just yeah it's okay we can chill out a bit but um that also that's also what makes him so good because he thinks about everything yeah um he goes into such a place with it so yeah but maybe yeah enjoy it a bit more at times yeah
0: at times go on who's your last race who's the last man or lady on the bus
1: Oh, lady, oh, lady on the bus. I like that. Um, can you go big dog again? I would probably just go biggest dog. Um, only because I've just read his book, Eddie the Jones.
0: Queen. The Queen,
1: uh, Eddie would Go Eddie Jones. Only because of him. I've just read his book. I found it fascinating. Um, in, in the sense of like what he looks into and in his uh, very, very honest about his life. Um, and like if we if I look at his journey compared to what mine is, like he didn't. He didn't come from exactly a, a a massive playing background like he played to an all right standard, but um some of like the way he worked it actually makes me feel good that I'm not going to burn myself out because I've never seen anything <laughs> like that like where he it lives on five hours' sleep I'm like that is absolute carnage, but i will just be interested to talk to a person like that i've never met him actually so um that would probably be one of the
2: reasons. He's trying to get you to set him up again for another golf bed. <laughs> like, he's
0: got a date with Eddie as well. <laughs> he, would, uh, he would work very hard. He would be. He would, be a, he would definitely be a fighter and a grafter.
1: But I'm, am fascinated by him. I'm absolutely fascinated by him. I just think he's, uh, like, I, I'm not even talking about rugby terms here. I just think as a human, like, just the, like what he does, I'm just like, mental. If you take it away from the rugby aspect, like and this is maybe coming from my health background as like a personal trainer or whatever, but surviving so on like four or five hours sleep is just, I just don't get it. I, I know you probably do that, Steve, and I've, I've spoke to you before. Uh, I
0: wouldn't do that. And, and I would think that Eddie could be more mindful of that to the people that work
2: with him. Yes, yeah, right, yeah. There's when
0: my you work, work on, there's my work on Friday.
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, I was going to say, when you work uh, at the RFU, like, what did you notice about working with Eddie and, and, yeah, anything that you thought he could do better? Uh,
0: I think he will be having a great time. He will be loving it. Uh, I think that uh, he probably needs to think about how he can get people to challenge him more. Uh, I think he needs to think about uh, people's, people's well-being sometimes. So it can be quite an intense environment and people probably need to be able to have the ability to go pause. I'd like to go and see my family. Uh, but that would be, you know, you would see that in first team at Irish, where people get trapped in their little bubble, um, and there's often hierarchy uh, that gets in the way of some some useful conversations. Um, so yeah, now that would be it. What about What have you noticed about each other? What's uh, what's the other person's strengths? What's going to make them better? <laughs> this is a John Fletcher question. He said I'm going to. He asked you. He asked you, but I'm going to ask you to do each other. Uh, super strength uh, what would make him better?
2: Uh, everyone likes Reese. everyone loves Reese. Uh, he's so easy to build a relationship with and rapport with he breaks down any barriers straight away makes everyone feel at ease he could walk into a room of 100 people and know no one in there and they'd all be his best mate by the end of it I promise you I've seen it on multiple stag do's <laughs> <get it>.
0: that's <laughs> why he's doing all it. his training that's a good related world a stag do we should send more coaches on stag do's to practice building rapport
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely.
2: Um, Quite expensive.
1: Jack's best. If we're talking about his best quality here, are we? Yeah, if you can
2: think of
1: one. Yeah, he's uh, (laughs) like his ability to be actually like he picks up stuff so quickly. Like his ability just to focus and. If he was gonna say he's gonna do something, he will do it. Like it's it's quite scary. It, it frustrates me as a. <laughs> um, We've
2: actually had this conversation with each other, so it's quite <laughs>
1: this scary. is a hard to heart. Um now we uh he, he honestly he's, he's got a he's got a real uh, knack for it to to work like he works his socks off for him and fair play to him. Right. Like, he gets stuff done. He gets he gets his way there, and, like, and everybody knows that if you talk, anybody, you talk to anybody, they're like, "Yeah, Jack will do it, and he'll do a good job of it." Uh, and that's like a pretty, probably one of the best traits to have, isn't it? So um, yeah, a lot of people rely on him, and a lot he gets a lot done.
0: So um, yeah. he's got trust. He's got trust. He has
2: got a lot of trust from a lot.
0: How of people. um how would you make each other better?
2: With Reese, I think we actually had a phone call before this. Uh, he just needs to believe in himself more i don't think he realizes how good he is and how good he could be like he said that he's worried about uh, certain things i'm like mate you're so good at this you're so good at it so just realize how good you are and how good you could be like yeah his back is
0: up okay. syndrome would be pretty high in coaches they'd be only themselves especially yeah. if they didn't play to a high level so that what exactly what you said about uh, rich Pryor earlier would be pretty common that I'm about to go into a room of people that are that are better players than I could have ever imagined being, and how am I going to make them better? Well, the reality is that you know, there's we we wouldn't be coaching many kids. us three, if, apart from Jack, because Jack's playing in the students. But <laughs> 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 well, the reality is, if we if if the kids that came through the Irish Academy, if Ollie household Collins and Ben Loader and Tom Parton were as good as you, Jack Patson, then. Irish wouldn't be where they are in the league, mate.
2: <laughs> I'm not going on record of that at all. <laughs> so that's the,
0: I mean that's I mean, I think it's a perfectly normal feeling to have, but you know. I also think it's a cool feeling to have because I get jealous of people that I've worked with that just feel like every session they do is amazing. And it's yeah, like, oh my thing. days, like I wish I could sit in the car like you and have no no need for reflection. That's pretty Definitely helpful. Don't have that. Yeah. Um how would you
1: make uh, J-Pat better? Um, well, it's kind of his thing, I think, because he takes so much on, but he worries, he would out- worry an awful lot. Um, and it's almost like some stuff, like, let's just take, for example, some a complete randomer. A, it's, a, it's a massive perk, but it's also a massive, um, not negative, should we say.
0: It's a work on for
1: him. It's a work on, because it, he takes, what everybody says, he takes on. Right. He will take personally. Um, even to the bit of a mum and dad just turning up and being like oh I didn't like his hair or something like that he could say something really random he does go narcissistic he goes uh, he, he, will, he will take that to heart and he'll work on it and he'll like he almost is learning when to say well actually no that doesn't matter uh, I don't need to worry about that um, but you get to be fair he's
2: getting better at that so I don't know whether I should take that away cause, I just call Reese a lot whenever <laughs> I'm rattled I do get rattled a lot by comments if I'm honest
1: yeah um, he just takes it at all. I just think maybe some of those you could just be like don't worry just put my head down get on with it like, I know I'm,
0: you're on the right path so and I think he kind of knows that he's on the right path I'm talking to the right path so and Wilco asked a bit about this tell me about some of the content you've been doing and some of the stuff you've been doing as an academy recently because what I've noticed is uh, that since uh, since Aidan left Falcons and they were the number one in, the, uh, in my uh, in my academy coach development league um, you guys have, have risen up rapidly over the yes. last few weeks and, and months tell me some of the stuff you've been doing and yeah where's it originated from how's it created um, how are you bringing it to life tell me about some of the stuff
2: well, to- we've um, we've I think what's so cool is we have such a variety of the different coach ed and development stuff that we're doing so I could give a whole host of stuff that we've done. We've had um, a hostage negotiator in, because obviously part of the academy is having difficult conversations with these young men at times, whether that's as an under-16 or as an under-18 or or wherever later on in life. So upskilling the coaches around that. We've had Google in. um, We had Jonathan Harding in the other day who wrote the book around uh, Mensch in Germany, which is unbelievable. we had Dave Collins in from Chelsea. We worked closely with Fulham Football Academy and Ben Bartlett, um, obviously Wimbledon Academy. So what I thought was wicked about that was the discrepancy between Fulham's budget and obviously Wimbledon, AFC Wimbledon's budget in League One, bottom of League One, and how they operate differently. Um, so we've had real good variety. Um, and that, a lot of that stuff would be in-house to support us. But then the stuff Reese has done with our DPP coaches and in the community, I mean, he's taken it to a whole nother level. Um, and the, the content he's talking to them about. Because we recognise that we're in a position of relative influence. I'm not, not on a high-scale level, but we feel that we, ca- we are in a position, because we're at London Irish, that we can influence school coaches, club coaches, parents that are linked with the, these young men growing up and the journeys that they're going to go on. So we're just trying to support them more, because I think that inadvertently will also help us. Mm-hmm. Is that fair, Reese?
0: Yeah, come on, Reese, Tell me about some of the stuff you've been producing. And I'm going to talk about hostage negotiation after that. <laughs> um,
1: yeah, well, like I think we—I'll I'll, I'll reiterate Jack's point a little bit. But I've actually been given a real opportunity um, in the sense that Patrick O'Grady Pog is—he's quite—he's really relaxed on. He yeah. gives us freedom. He gives me real freedom in the sense of look, go and do your job. There's no like ah. Oh, you're gonna do this. I want. He's you to- too busy
0: down the gym getting in good shape. as he's He got he plenty of time.
2: <laughs> He'll love that you've said that, man. I know he <laughs>
0: will. I know, <I> know. he
2: <laughs> will. said it? He is a good nick, though.
1: Um, but yeah, no, he because he gives me freedom. Like, I, I'm quite. I don't know. Education. I, I feel like we barely scratch the surface on coach education, um, and this is uh, as RFU and London Irish and like, as a governing body. Like I think we're in. I'm in such a good opportunity to be able to influence coaches in the community um, and by looking at that like some of the stuff that we do I don't I don't see why some of the stuff that we do with the academy coaches uh, and the DPP coaches we can't get that into the community um, so obviously you've seen in the last couple of weeks me posting that stuff out um, on, on, on your social media handles and bits about the games that we play Um, and that that was done through Jack's content before they came out about the adaptive games but I feel like we coach we we go I'll just go and play a game but actually the the, the idea of putting some info behind it and putting some reasons why we would do it and some outcomes that we actually want to achieve I think is the important side um, for the coaches to develop really and uh, they were just like a little bit of something and I'm I'm quite glad that people picked up on them and uh, Enjoyed, enjoyed what they were about. Um, but I suppose if we're talking about how, what the impact is from us, Jack's mentioned that as going out in the community and giving away free coach development workshops. Like, I generally think that is the way forward. Uh, and we're in that opportunity where we are London Irish. I think it's almost going away from the we are a few nowadays. And it's actually coming to your, your premiership clubs who, who are in a powerful position to educate um, the community um we've had what 460 coaches turn up for our workshops over the course of eight, through 18 workshops uh so we're averaging about 20 20 per um per session which is amazing because i i I'd, I'd still go down on a sunday morning to a club um i'd, I'd it's not wins every week i will be down at like Newbury, be to reading Abbey, be to some clubs in london like i would do that with have back of off my own back because I generally just can't believe some of the coaching out there if that makes sense and um, this isn't harsh to some of them but we don't actually give them we don't give them the tools we just go oh you're, you're a dad go and coach um, and like you go down and there's some stuff there which you do not want to you don't want to go down and just tell them how to do it but oh it, it does grind your gears and you guys know that as well as me unless
0: it's uh, you don't want to tell them unless it's really unsafe yeah, it's like child abuse. Um, and then you have to. But I, I agree. I mean, some of the stuff I've seen from you guys around some of the practice design stuff. So your your slide, Jack, which I use a lot just to get coaches to talk about what and why and when and how and all that stuff. Uh, some of your stuff around co-coaching and thinking about that. Um, and then some of your recent stuff, Reese, really around and people can can check this out on your Twitter feed around. Yeah, some of the practice design tied in with some of the coaching skills that are that might be helpful during those games and and why we've designed games like that so why are we playing those what skills are we hoping to develop mm. um i think it's, it's useful for coaches because <coughs> otherwise they just do what we all received many many years ago which wasn't that
1: exciting quite it's like. not exist yeah it's not it's, it's not a fault necessarily but like we just chuck four dads in a new age group and say yeah. how many like i think you you guys are doing a fantastic job at the magic academy because you're getting out there but there's still I'll go to a club and I'll say oh have you heard of the magic academy and they'll be like no because
0: what how's that they're possible
1: they're just a dad that turns up yeah, and so. and you're like but these are the people that we need to hit so um yeah it's interesting i it, it just grinds my gears that much that that's what I'll do on a Sunday morning. It's quite sad probably, but um, now I I get a good kick out of it and um, I suppose that's where I just see the most reward is it, it kind of sorts Jack's job out, sorts my job out in the sense that if we can develop those coaches and they're developing those players on the way that we want to coach in London Irish um, and we want them to play in London Irish, well, that's obviously going to have a better effect when they come into the system. Um, so if they know how to play to space really well, we don't spend two weeks at the start of the DPP saying, this is how we play to space. It's like, actually, I know that they can do that. We can move on quite quickly.
0: Yeah, what's the next level? What's the next level? What, uh, how's the feedback been? And genuine question, have you had feedback from first team coaches around some of this stuff? So I know people like Deck would definitely be uh, you guys and lighters as he progresses up and leaves you guys behind in the distance as he goes up to the first team and just starts coaching technique. what, um, have you had feedback from, from higher up around the good, the good stuff you're doing?
2: Yeah, really positive. Um, I actually, so as you see, a lot of the content we'll put out will be around community of practices. So basically what that I means is just bringing people together and just having conversations informally rather than this so-called expert sit at the front and everyone just taking notes and then going home thinking they're a better coach. and. We've actually been doing that at Irish, so I set one up just before Christmas, and the first team coaches attend. We had Les Kiss, the head coach, come in, deck Dan her, uh, as you'd expect, who comes in. Uh, we actually did team to half-time team talks. I chose the first topic, and I showed a couple of examples. So I showed the one of Guardiola uh, against Wigan. It's on the Amazon Prime thing, it's brilliant, where he puts it all on him. He's like, one day you can be a coach, you'll realise how hard it is, but everything's about him. And we just discussed it. And then Les and Beck really opened up about their half-time team talk. Is it a process? And Beck was talking about being careful of his emotion at times and having to steer it more towards the tactical pitches that they're seeing. And we just had this really open conversation. And off the back of it, the coaches, the first team coach was like, can we do that more? That was brilliant. So I think the more, yeah, the more we can do that around different topics, would be brilliant, wouldn't it?
1: Yeah. a nice talk. New way of learning. Like, I, I, I think we have to get out of this age-old approach, like Jack said, to like, get somebody stood at the front, just uh, dictating to everybody, this is how we do it and why we do it. Like, People don't have time anymore, necessarily. Um, time is valuable to them. Money is valuable to them. Can we just offer something where... Like, that's all I think we're trying to do is the stuff that I'm putting out there. I'm not trying to say, oh, look, you have to come and do this for an hour on this evening. It's like, well, actually here's a load of education stuff that you can do and have a look at in your own time. Crack on with it. You don't have to take it. don't have to do it. Um, That's the
2: biggest thing. So that's the big, like, it depends. Like, we had Dave Collins in the other day and he just wrote on the board, it depends. There's no point us going out and telling someone who coaches under sixes at their club, this is how you should coach, because it depends. It all depends. So if we just have conversations, people can just share experiences.
0: Yeah.
2: Sorry, I got a bit excited there. Yeah,
0: you got excited about the It Depends. I agree though, I mean, it clearly doesn't. Our job is to help them understand like what it depends on and why, and why would you do this and why wouldn't you do that? And yeah, what um, what have you noticed? So has there been a, you know, so uh, however long you guys have been at the DPP and and the PDG and the Academy stuff, have you noticed an evolution of, of stuff and stuff that's changed? And what have you noticed about the impact on the kids coming through? So obviously I've mentioned a couple of names, but you would have had a few of the lads come through and be doing pretty well in the first team, which is tough these days. Um, what have you What have you noticed?
2: Well, oh, well, obviously there was a massive sea change in coaching, uh, and me and Reece were sort of part of that. Um, we got swept up in it when we started our coaching with our whole cards uh, philosophy, and that's how we coach. Um, and then I'm sort of seeing it swing, not completely back the other way, but back a little bit more towards the technical stuff, so more breakout stuff um, to support. But I think, again, it comes back to it depends, but in, in the, some, some of the environments we're coaching, so the 16s and 18s, we would just support them in different ways to how we would coach the under-15s and under-14s. So I think people aren't just coaching purely through games, uh, which they were a couple of years ago. Um, but with all these things, it's a balance. Uh, the biggest impact we're seeing on people uh, or, or players uh young men a really tough question um i think coaches are recognizing or certainly in, i can talk in behalf of irish coaches are recognizing the need to actually get to know the person and not get stuck down too many tactical uh, tactical or technical rabbit holes with that individual i think sometimes we can think that all the all the, that young man needs is some tactical technical support and then they'll go to the next level well sometimes they maybe just need like a bit of love and support and just a bit of understanding of their background. Like I can think of copious examples of lads in our environment where we've had these assumptions on this, on different lads, but then we find out a bit of information about their background. It changes everything to the point where you'd actually keep lads on in the program. Like it's that big. So just more of an appreciation of the person rather than all the tactical, technical stuff that we get so wrapped up in.
0: Yeah. I'm thinking of a player that transitioned into a Prem first team and I shared a lot of information with their coaches, which they chose to ignore. And, uh, they would have definitely helped him, yeah, and then because yeah, people just don't, don't look at the p- person behind really and what they're experiencing and what their life looks like and the the blockers and the opportunities and all that stuff what, what have you noticed Reese
1: um well, so from a coach development perspective um, I think that's that's changed i I've, I've already mentioned about how like people are actually educating these days and the new way that we actually have to really embrace in a, a, as in like on these online platforms and social webinars like this or um talking which is a, the opportunity that we're going to have with this coronavirus we're going to have to do a lot more things, but um i suppose it, i know people talk about mindsets a lot and people say oh people have got to have a growth mindset and whatever like i challenge some of that um, but i do think there's there is a bit of a stigma not stigma but False mindset that people have. They, coaching isn't. There's no, there's no end game to coaching. Like, it's the it's infinite game. game. It just continues going. Like, you never complete it. You're not. You, Eddie Jones says that he's he's whatever age he is now, and he knows he hasn't completed anything. So, um, like, I think a lot of coaches have that mindset of this is this is my end. Like, uh, and or oh, actually, I've completed this, um, which is kind of the wrong mindset to have with it. Uh, And I'd say over the last, well, it might be just through my influence with Irish, but probably over the last season, I've started to see that change a little bit. I've started to see people, it might be because I'm working with people like experience or a but you start to see them, they're they're not focused. Yes, they've got some finite goals, but the main goal of them as a coach is it's not stopping uh, and it just keeps going. It's going to keep developing. I think the coaches that are embracing that, uh, and embracing that mindset of it doesn't just because I'm a level three coach, it's just, it's just a level. Um, there's no, it doesn't mean anything. It just means that you've you've done a course, which has got you to a level, which has improved yourself a little bit more. Um, and it, I think once coaches understand that and are on that journey, um, then I just think it, it's changing completely. And, and I've seen that over this last year, I've seen some coaches that are uh, it's it's beyond what we're thinking. So I've said, oh, they've got to get to this outcome. They're already fit. They've already sorted that outcome, and they're already moving on to the next thing. And they're
0: beating the game. They're beating the game. And as Jack said, it is an infinite game. Yeah, I will ever finish the boss level on coaching no. in a lifetime, unfortunately.
1: No. So yeah, I'd say that's probably been my. Uh, humbling it's just, should I say a humbling experience because everybody I just feel like everybody's kind of on that board of just getting better uh, there's they know that it's an infinite game it's not gonna I, I'm, I'm kind of qu- quoting Simon Sinek here because I've read one of his books recently but um, the uh, it was interesting it was an interesting read just about how do we look at business and life about a finite or an infinite approach and i definitely think coaching is a definite infinite approach
0: can I vouch for that uh, tell me about the hostage negotiator, Jack. So Reese is trapped in his cell. <laughs> <There's> <laughs> he's got no on, chance. <laughs> nothing on the walls. Uh, uh, what? Um, uh, who was the hostage negotiator? I'll give a shout out to Mark Shiesby, who I've done a bit of work with.
2: It was Mark. Um, yeah, absolutely okay. superb. Yeah, um, um, I can still send him emails now. Uh, just, just because we put he's such. You're stealing all
0: in. my contacts.
2: Yeah. No, well, I'm sorry. <laughs> tell me about it.
0: Tell me about what type of stuff you learned.
2: Well, I'll be completely honest. So when I first went into Irish, it dawned on me quite quickly that part of my role was having difficult conversations with players, um, but potentially releasing lads under 16. And I was so worried and nervous about that and how I was going to use what what language was important. And uh, we brought him in and just some of the stuff that he talked to us about. So the biggest takeaway for me was uh, if you're going to give someone feedback or let's say bad news, it's about talking about what they're really good at in the permanent state and areas they need to work on in the temporary. So, as an example, he talked a lot about um, certain individuals that he'd worked with in the Premier League. And uh, he would say things like, if you go up to someone and say, you're rubbish because they've had a bad game, that would be permanent. Whereas if you say, you're usually so strong, so quick, so good on the ball, where's that been today? He frames it back in the temporary. So it's just transferring that into how we have these conversations with the lads. Um, and that, that had a massive influence on us in terms of the language we use and putting such an emphasis on making sure that the language we use isn't permanent if it's going to be bad, that makes sense. Yeah, it makes perfect but The reality is we do have to have difficult conversations. There's no point fluffing everything up. Uh, and Dave Collins was so good at just, just tell them how it is um, because it comes from a place of love and you know it doesn't mean a bad thing that just to tell them how it is. But the language we use around that is important.
0: Yeah. Nice, nice. What um so how would you get Reese out of the cell? What are you thinking?
2: I'm saying Reese, I'm really sorry, mate. I love you, but there's no chance. <laughs> <laughs> you're done, mate.
0: And let's talk about the lads. So what type of when kids are coming into the academy, what type of things are you are you mindful of? What are you what's the things you're looking for as coaches? And then yeah, what's uh, what are you how are you how are you trying to develop them? I guess one of the Dave Ross questions is a good one. What are your essentials? What's your kind of nice to have? So yeah. What are you looking at? And then what's uh...
2: it's just <laughs> so broad. It's so broad. There's no, <coughs> as you know, there's no science to it. And like Dean Clark would say, it's a craft, isn't it? So like I, I couldn't sit here and go, oh, we look at these five things. And if they tick one of these boxes, then we'll work with them. Like it's just so broad than that. Um, Obviously, are you talking about from a rugby perspective or just on a human level?
0: I'm looking for anything, mate.
2: Yeah, so even little things like how they interact with their teammates, their parents after a session, how they come and talk to us, how they respond when they lose the ball. Do they throw their hands in the air or do they get back in the game and try and influence? Um, Are they trying stuff? Are they willing to be brave and make mistakes? Uh, How do they move? Their movement would be really important, certainly at a younger age. Uh, And I, I know people have put on the Twitter like, is it true that academies just pick athletes and then develop the natural rugby skill set? But there's no answer to it. It's it's completely subjective because we all see and value different things. So there's no blueprint that we send out to the pitch and go, just tell us what talent is and and then we'll we'll be able to work with that. It's nonsense. So, so much of it is based on gut on, on what you see. And yeah, there's so much bias in that, but I don't think that's a bad thing.
0: Yeah. I think you would have lots of people come in at an early age and, try and retain them as long as possible and develop them and support them. Uh, you would get multiple eyes on them. You would, I think as you put on the, on, on the Twitter, as we're now calling it, you would try and get into their environments and see them there as well. Yeah. And it's definitely not just physical, because I think I said a typical Irish session being run by James Lightfoot-Brown would have at least 95% scrum halves in it. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'm like, where,
0: where are all the big things like us? Oh, I just
2: picked a little skillful one. Skillful lad, yeah. But we all pick, uh, as I say, we see and value different things. So I would, when we're looking at players, the stuff that maybe I was good at or the stuff I appreciate in the game, I would have, I'd lean towards that. Whereas, as you say, lights very very skillful. He would pick players or look at players or, have, or lean towards players who are also like that. So we we've stolen the Mo Babbitt thing from the ECB about many eyes, many times. So. Whenever we're making decisions, we try and make it as informed as possible by looking at these lads as many times, as many possible, but loads of different eyes. Um, but there's no blueprint. There's no and blueprint. how are you
0: helping them go up to the first team? So, obviously, guys like Ollie and um, Loader and uh, Parton and a few others have, have progressed into regular first team Premiership Rugby this year. What's been the
2: stuff that's helped them? Well, the biggest learning that has come... Come to us is around creating more artificial speed bumps for for these young men coming up through because that's the reality, not just in obviously playing rugby and the challenges they might get in the first team, but also in life. So we're quite conscious that were we just giving red carpets to the lads that have always been the sort of cream of the crop, and are they just getting such an easy ride to the top, and then bang, they're not getting selected in the first team, or they're having to train on the side while everyone else trains. Um, So it's just how we can prepare them better for that. Give me some
0: examples
2: of stuff you've done. So, actually, stuff we're starting to use now. So, I can talk in my context, like, there's some really, really good players that we've got who've always started. And now we're starting to just put them on the bench or leave them out for one game. Now, that might sound like we're, do- we're doing a- an awful thing, but we actually think we need an element of trauma. Um, Dave Collins talks about talent needs trauma. And, I, think I-, and I, was- I misconstrued that as, what, an amputation? Like, these lads need a really bad incident. But actually, that can just be a band-aid. And that might mean that they, they just sit on the bench for one game to finally get a, to get a feel for what that might be like. Does that make sense? So rather than giving them the red carpet the whole way. Yeah. It's really the, tough, you don't want to hurt, you don't want to damage these kids psychologically. It's really tough.
0: Yeah, and with some of them, you, you might also uh, talk to them in advance of that. You might want to reflect upon it with them or actually speak to their parents about it in some of the language their parents might be using around this. Because there's no point in you, for example, putting someone on the bench and then, and then mum or dad getting pretty agitated and telling, and telling son or daughter that, you know, you're better than that. These coaches don't know anything type stuff. So, yeah, I think it's, uh, it would be critical. I, I hope it was. Um, so Nick Aziti spoke a bit about it. So when Nick first played for England, he came off the bench against Argentina. And the fact that he'd had some bench experience and spoken about how he prepares for the game off the bench was really important for him.
2: Yeah, and I would definitely be clear with that, that we would definitely involve the parents before and say, look, we, we think this is best for their long-term development. And the parents have always been really receptive to it. But, yeah, we've just got to prepare them more for <coughs> the reality of what lies ahead. There's no point sugarcoating everything and then they get whacked because I actually don't think that's in their best interest. So. And there's, there's other little examples that we, we're trying, but as I say, it's so difficult and there's no science mm-hmm. to it. Like In some cases, I'm sure we'll get it a bit wrong.
0: What are your essentials? So, what's the stuff that you think is essential in your across Your Academy? Both of you really have, like as a player development environment. Uh, and coach development? What's your what's your pillars? What's your most important stuff?
2: Reese, do you want to go first? I feel like I've been rambling,
1: mate. They're interesting they? <laughs> um,
2: Reese uh, is thinking I've never heard of any of that. that <laughs>
0: <right>. <laughs> She's made that up. Yeah, <laughs> um, one time he's already making stuff up about bumps. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, I suppose, like from a coaching perspective, uh, like, well, I'll just say anyway. On the got a real opportunity at the moment with um, the way that the RPPG, RP, I think it is, and how it's going to be working moving forward with like losing county under fifteen to under Um I think there's a real opportunity there for coaches who want to try and get into the programme and help coach in the DPP. Uh, I, I, I know you've probably seen recently, but me and Jack have created that mentoring programme, um, which we're going to put out to the coaches. And the idea is to get them on a pathway um, so we can develop them and eventually get them into the DPP. Um, but I suppose what we're looking for from coaches in from that perspective is, a, like the ability that the, the, we, we would give them freedom. So we would like to give them freedom in the sense that we'd sit back, allow them to plan, allow them to uh, talk about how they're going to get their outcomes across. Um, each site obviously has their own need, uh, and they do do a fantastic job to be fair to them. Um, but they're, I suppose, like ours, because we give them the freedom, we would also want them to coach with freedom. So, not just do the same thing, Like we actually want them to come out of their comfort zones and try something new. Like, uh, I know we talk about, um, I'll, I'll mention him because I think he does really well. But well, a pair of them last week, uh, uh, Rupert Dean and uh, Paul Braithwaite down at uh, Hazelwood site, they just make the kids, you can see how engaged they are. And like, I know this is the, the under 14s, under 13s, but they just try so much stuff with them. They, they'll give them headbands and power ups, they'll give them. Um, different scoring zones they're challenging players on individuals and the way that they talk to each other so they'll call a huddle and be like you guys I want you to they'll they'll prep the the two guys before they go into a huddle so these kids at 13, 14 are suddenly learning so much Uh, and that like for us that was for me like a snapshot of the pinnacle where I'd expect most of our DPP sites to be especially with those younger age groups Um, as they obviously they get into the older age groups that's where you can uh, y- you'd hope by doing it in those younger age groups, they come up into the the older age groups with those skills already, and then we can really challenge them on. Yeah, I know that some of the boring stuff like technical, technical, tactical, but we can. Uh, I think that's where it's getting it right at the moment. Should we say?
0: I don't think uh, tactical is boring. I don't think technical is boring. I think it's skill. Yeah. So I think we should be talking about skills. But I. I, I yeah, I mean, lots of the stuff that they'll be doing, those two wizards will be will be tactical as well because teams will have different scoring systems. So they'll probably, yeah, they'll probably be doing more tactical than lots of first teams because lots of first teams are just doing rehearsal, in my opinion.
1: They are tactical, but these players, obviously, the because of the constraints and, like I said, the games that we send out online, like. They're asking these questions. Like that's the thing. Like we could give everybody. I could give everybody all the education in the world. I could give it to them on a plate, but it's, they still will go and do it. Uh, and I do think some of these coaches that we I, I bring into the environment, or, um, even club environments, that I go down on a Sunday. You, they still don't try it. If you know what I mean, they still won't go. They'll, they'll do a little bit of it. They'll do the bit that they like or the bit that they're comfortable with. But then actually going in and doing something different is completely it's too far out of their comfort zone. So I would always say coaches that we want to get into the environment or somebody who's willing to go, no, I'm going to give this a try. It might not work, but with the reflection process and the review process that we have as a DPP, and that's one thing I'm very conscious of is that, that every time we finish a session, there's nothing wrong with five minutes, all four coaches coming together. Let's talk about what was good, what, was, what could we do better? Um, how do we improve? Does, is there any kids that need a little bit more attention? Um, like they've actually taken that to another level now and they've actually got their own mentoring groups with the players which I'm sure Jack can touch on later but they each coach will have a, a group of players who they're, they're is, he's their, he is their mentor he she is their mentor um, which is just so valuable and the reflection process now in London Irish is, is huge if I was ever going to give a, a some advice to coaches on a Sunday morning or just down in a different environment is reflect like talk about it how much do we talk about these coaches on a Sunday morning and they go into the pub and, or they go into the club and they have a pint down there they have a pint down there why don't you have to have a pint together chat for five minutes and then you can go your own way like it's so powerful
0: yeah and, and don't just as lots of coaches do reflect upon what the kids did reflect upon what you did and <laughs> actually what impact you think it had on the kids so I'm with you when I look and see lots of kids that are engaged and wanting to get better and I'm thinking there's some pretty there's some pretty exciting stuff going on there what, what, Jack, you had a bit of time to think. Well, what's your two or three most important things that uh, in your player development stuff?
2: Yeah, I don't know if you've seen the Razzie Erasmus no. video that came out a few days ago uh, when he's t- it's not the uh, team talk before the world. Good one people, got
0: fired. good people. That's the first thing.
2: Yeah, like good people, and I'm not trying to sound cliche. That's the first thing. Uh, I think it's the most important thing. It's all built on good people, isn't it? Um, and what I really like about what Razzie says, which which really stuck with me, was. It's not about the best people all the time. It's not the best coach because actually, in, in this case, like we actually are bringing in good people with good values. Um, because as as he says, sometimes the best people is, they're they're more in it for themselves and and that sort of stuff, I'm not always the best team player. So that would be the first. We definitely create a freedom, but with frame sorry a framework with freedom within that. So I think it's Brian Ashton saying, isn't it? Uh, freedom with responsibility. So that that sort of influenced us. So we have quite a clear playing principles framework uh, and then we'd be very specific so we'd have clarity about the language that we want everyone to use. But then we would just let people sort of come up with their own journeys to, to achieve that with the playing group. Um, we've got too many players, too many coaches that can't micromanage it. So I think part of the craft is just trusting people. I, I think you talked about trust earlier and, and people are so, so good with it when you just trust them, aren't they? So just- well, you've
0: got some good coaches. You've got some coaches I would definitely trust. Apart from lighters, yeah. Everyone apart from lighters. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Russ Bolton, uh, what's your most challenging coaching scenario, both
2: of you? Put guys coach. in a little bit
0: with uh, Fletch's. What's your best, uh, a little bit with his best mistake as well? So.
2: Well, I in actually case, I had two, I actually made a note on this. I had two incidents that really stuck with me when I thought about most challenging, um, both actually away from Irish when I've coached in, a, in, a, uh, in the senior game, just in, for a club. One was when I was coaching a men's team in the city, HAC, and we got promoted. And then for an admin error, the promotion got blocked. So we had to redo the whole season. And then there was such a psychological hangover with that, not just for myself, but with the players, I could sense it. We actually lost a couple of players from it. So that was so difficult to get them going again for that. And then actually this season, I've been doing my local team um, where me and Reese both grew up, just at Windsor. And we lost our first seven games in a row. And the team had just gone up into this league and everyone that I was bumping into in the streets and stuff was saying, like, just make sure they stay up. And I was feeling the pressure so bad, if I'm honest, like I lent on Rhys so much in that time, I couldn't figure out what I needed to do. Um, so they're, they're definitely the most challenging scenarios I've had. Did you figure it out? Did you work it out? Yeah, well, we, we, we moved, we won. we went on a bit of a run. Uh, around Christmas and beat like top in the league away from home and yeah, before the season got cancelled we were 11th out of 14 with four to play with a 10 point gap so yeah, just managed to turn it around but bear what, in mind... What,
0: stuff, what, what stuff's different there to Irish and, and what oh, did you call upon?
2: I changed, I think I changed quite a bit from Irish to when I go to to Windsor. Um, obviously Irish would all be around the development side of it. Windsor, uh, I had to, in the situation I was in, I had to try and find some solutions and go away from just like developing their their individual skill set and making everyone a better actual player themselves. We had to get some sort of shape into it just for some clarity. I couldn't believe I was doing it at the start, but it, it has had an impact. Um, and I guess the challenge is just getting the balance between that. But, yeah, you would have some
0: players that you would at that at that level you would have to build a game plan around the. Sk- of those players, as, as opposed to with Irish, where you either, and depend upon your context, you're either preparing them for first team or you're preparing them for first team in the future. Yeah. Um. However people think about it, and and you would also be coaching some older players who would definitely want a bit more certainty from you.
2: Yeah, I got I got some pretty direct feedback. Like, just tell me <laughs> what you wanted to do. And uh,
0: from forwards or backs or both.
2: Where do you reckon?
0: Forwards, all of them. <laughs> where do I part. stand?
2: Once we've got up from a scrum,
0: what do we do when we're here? Yeah, I mean, lads that have played the game for 20 years, what do I do when I get up from a scrum? Oh yeah. my days! Oh my days! How have we got to this?
2: Yeah, but credit to the Windsor lads, like we we brought in a real kicking game just because it suited the personnel we had, and but everyone bought into box it. Fox kick, kicks, no, 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 no. none of that rubbish, but um, it actually suited us, so we we pick a lot of players in the back line who could all kick, and the fours bought into it, so. I'm not saying it's utopian rugby, but it was effective for what they yeah, needed and what yeah, the yeah. demands of that context was. So, nice. So well, not, bring,
0: what do you think, in Reese? What's been your kind of your most challenging scenarios, apart from being trapped in the cell at the moment? <laughs>
1: yeah, not getting out. Um, I'd actually say it's, it's funny we say this because it's, uh, it's such a unique environment. I actually think if anybody went into it. Um, they would learn so obviously I'm head coach at the moment with uh, the HAC which is where Jack, me and Jack were before with the shark with the shark man. with, uh, with Sharky, Dave Sharkey and uh, Rupert Dean yeah um, this uh, it's such a unique environment in a sense so this is probably where my biggest learning has come from is you can't so obviously come from New- I came from Windsor and Newbury plus my playing background and the clubs there they're massive clubs they've got minis and junior sections they've got uh, a set up with chairman and everything it, it's there's a lot of old boys there uh, this club is so unique in its sense that it's run by players so the my committee is 11 boys who have played for the club for a while um, we put three teams out on a saturday um they don't necessarily we only train once a week um so like my time with these guys is so valuable because we don't we wouldn't necessarily get them all at training in the sense that they're all city boys they've got busier lives they probably work from seven in the morning till 10 at night 11 at night and then do it all again so for me to actually get them there on a, a wednesday evening um is quite valuable um but my, my learning from it is trying to put a big club uh, mentality into what the HAC is. Um, and it's, it's a very unique environment in that sense because it just didn't work at first. Uh, we had obviously the first season I took over, we came fourth in uh, the Level Six League, which was great. But this year has just been such a, a challenge because. We, we've tried to go, oh, actually, how do we improve this? We make this better. Okay, we'll try and bring in this. We'll try and bring in that. We'll we'll give them um, different ideas or we'll try and make this more of a bigger club. Uh, like, we have to turn up here. We've got to do this. And the moment you put that down, it, it just... It doesn't, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. It's just... Uh, and it just... It's been... This year has been such a, a learning curve. It's probably been my... like I know we, it's the cliche thing of people saying, oh, what's been the best environment are the one where you you lost because you learned the most but I honestly I've tried every trick in the book this year and it's been it's been fascinating so I know you you talk about Sharky here putting a story on something um and we were in a similar position to Jack like we've been in the relegation zone and we've been battling out of it and at Christmas time we read a book me and Sharky um about Ernest Shackleton uh, and his survival in the uh, Antarctic because they never actually did it, and how their ship sunk, and tying that story to the players has been unbelievable. And this, the journey from this side of Christmas has uh, has been fascinating. I'd be really interested to send you the PowerPoint we've done with them because it's not death by PowerPoint. But I wanted to record this down because it was uh, it was something quite special. We played 62 players in the first team in the first 14 games. That's the first fourteen games after Christmas, so we were in a bit of trouble, and we just attached this story to them that look, we are going to survive this, and this is how we're going to do it. And we, um, there's been some unbelievable parts of it, which has just brought the players together. They bought into something different, you know. It's it's, it's separate to what a, a big club might buy into, um, but this has given the boys something to believe in, and we've even been buying whiskey, which is Ernest Shackleton whiskey. We we beat top of the league and just everyone was celebrating like it, it, it was interesting you know just to see how people can buy into this uh, and it just puts a different perspective on it it's definitely I know you've gone through it with Sharkey, and I would just recommend it to any coach if you ever go through it read some books and find something that might connect to your, your story uh, for your players um, it was, it's been really interesting it
0: fuels all my biases <laughs> around telling stories and using them like as theming and connecting people to a narrative and having some objects or some um, totems or whatever the language is that we celebrate. And if it's a little bottle of Shackleton whiskey, then it's a little bottle of Shackleton whiskey.
1: It went down to a... It, it went down to <laughs> laugh at this. So our vice-captain, um, he actually shares the same birthday as Shackleton. And
0: oh, mate, right, stop it.
1: It was, it was on the Saturday when it was absolutely hailing it down. And we, uh, we, we won a game. Um, and it was his birthday, and obviously it was Shackleton's birthday. And I gave him a bottle of Shackleton whiskey, and was like, "Let's celebrate this one, boys." And they're like, the, the, it sounds really silly and like really petty, but honestly, the difference that that makes for boys that you like, you said you're not, I'm not see You, you don't see them every week. They can buy into this. It's just easy to buy into. This is uh, something that we just talk about throughout the week. We don't even have to see each other. Um, and then when it comes to the game day, there's a little bit more there than just playing for the person left or right. Of you. You're you brought into a story that you're all in together. Um, it was fascinating. It's been fascinating this year, I must admit.
0: It's going to be the next big thing in uh, coach development I'm yeah. hearing at London. Oh. Storytelling,
1: mate. Well, and on that, I suppose Fish, Fish is it's one thing I've learned from him. Like He's fascinating when it comes to telling stories. Watched him coach some under-16s and his engagement, these boys were just, just garking at him just like this is because he was just telling the story he was like oh so yeah i, I can't really explain it but it was he it wasn't was really... telling
0: the story about when he played england sevens about 10 years ago <laughs> and he put on four kilograms in hong kong was it? <laughs> <laughs> they were like stop telling us the stories about northampton fish he <laughs> uh, would be he would be he would be pretty excited by the storytelling part yeah. i'm actually gonna do a I'm meeting Claire Murphy, who's a storyteller. I'm going to do a podcast with her as well, because I'm, I'm pretty that's excited about that, avenue. Last question before I go into the one-liners, and I've got to ask it because Griff's put it on there, and oh. we see each other in Boston, mate. He's obviously claiming some kind of credit for something that's changed. What's changed <laughs> with the under-15s and the 16s approach at Chiswick?
2: Tell massive, me massive sea change, and yeah, no, it's credit to Griff. Um, I, I went into Fulham Academy and watched some of the sessions there, and uh, who was coaching?
0: Who was coaching at Fulham?
2: Uh, it was the I, I don't actually know Dave's surname, but it was Dave, the Welsh guy, doing the under 16s, and Ben Bartlett was there supporting, and obviously Griff, uh, who was his title was his head of innovation. Yeah, me and Griff just got talking and uh, offered him to come and coach at our training site, and we did two sessions together, and. I, I Under 15s or 16s at the start of the season, everything would be through principles, everything that we're doing, and that's throughout the whole academy. Um, And then Griff just said to me, say, mate, can I meet you on Friday morning for a coffee at 8am? So I sat down with him, and I thought he was going to say something like he didn't enjoy it or whatever, and he wanted to pull out. But he he had so many ideas about the changes we need to make. uh, And he was saying, look, I think you're just trying to copy and paste the model that's working really well at the other four sites and apply it to Chiswick. And the reality was, yeah, like I, I am. I'm just trying to make it work and I'm getting frustrated that it's not working. And Different kids. He, he said, look, you're trying to get these guys to explore the game tactically. They don't have the tools, the, the skill or the technical tools to skill. do this. So we actually do need to look at catch-pass and a little bit more of a block, not pure block practice, but a little bit more of that for this group. And I said, cool, yeah, let, let's go with it. Um, so we actually split them up individually on what certain individuals needed more specific support around. And then we'd still put it into games so they could stress test it, but just a much more shift towards technical sort of skill development, I'd say, than just exploring the game tactically tactically through principles. So massive sea change compared to the other other sites.
0: So on your one pager, you moved a little bit across to the left just to help develop some skills that they could use in the right.
2: Yeah, and fair play. I would imagine
0: you've got some kids there that weren't... Uh, spending as much time playing rugby in their schools as in other sites?
2: Well, the provision of rugby that these lads at the Chiswick site uh, is a lot less than where our other sites are based. So these lads, a lot of them are coming from the city. And some of them aren't actually playing rugby, maybe a little bit on a Sunday. So the support we had to give them was very, very different to lads at other sites where they're getting a lot of school and club rugby. So, yeah, credit to Griff. It depends. It depends, exactly. It depends. I like
0: it. Right, I'm going to do some one-worders. We're going to go alternate. We're going to go alternate. We're going to go alternate. Um, we'll start with you, Jack, Pat. I've been trying to get these. Uh,
2: Irish. Well, i just say something, the first word that comes to my head? That's the game, mate. Oh, right.
0: <laughs> it's going to be hard for you. Reese, Rhys, just bear with Jack. It's going to be hard for him to think of warm words.
2: Irish. Love
0: RFU, Reese.
2: <laughs> Admin. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Reese. Sorry, Reese. I'm joking.
0: Uh um, RFU. Memories. Nice. Uh, rugby. This is for Jack now. It's alternate rugby.
2: Oh, uh, identity. Uh, coaching. Love.
0: England students.
2: <laughs> Pride. Oh, mate, you well enough a bit there? Are you okay? <laughs> uh, that's, that's like my dad's uh, Everest for us, yeah. Uh, Windsor.
0: Family. Uh, Lightfoot Brown. Hero. John Fisher. God. Bro, <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> are you joking? <laughs> I'll edit that bit out. God! Um, Last question, actually, because Fletch asked you it. Uh, How would you make Magic Academy better? One suggestion each.
2: Rusty, you you were like a big influence when I started coaching, so you taught me this, so what would you do? Oh, mate, I'm
0: not having that. (laughs) (laughs) I need to, uh, I'll tell you what I would do. I I need to, uh, I'm really enjoying this last week because I've had time to think and reflect and create thinking time in my life, so I would do more of that.
1: Yeah. um <laughs> one th- i would say like your like one of your best things one of your best traits should i say is i love like, the way like,
0: you give me a shit sandwich here, so. <laughs> <laughs> strong, strong hostage negotiation skills i like it
1: um we've got uh so you got like a your relationship so you you one of the most powerful things is whenever someone talks about you, which I think is a really good thing, is you go down to a club and people actually feel that like they know you personally, which I think is such a powerful thing to have. If I go down and talk to a coach, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you. I went, when you go down to Newbury, I went down there the other week, and you talk to one of the coaches there and I go, oh, you know, Russell? Osh? Oh, yeah, I know Russell. Yeah, 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 no, I know him. I know him, Rusty, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, they treat it like they actually know you. And I think that's so powerful um so my challenge to you to how you how you do the magic academy is how do you develop more people that are
0: going to have that same influence uh, um, zoom, zoom at the moment mate yeah <laughs> but, I think, but i do think it's a, our best opportunity is now yeah because those coaches have time yeah and we have time mm. so i'm pretty pumped that's cool that wasn't as bad as shit sandwiches <laughs> I think it's coach, are, yeah. um a I coached the other day with Danny Newcombe at Oxford Brooks, and I ran two sessions with some of their their family uh, sports coaching students. And then we we sat in a classroom for an hour hour and a bit with each one, and uh, and they kind of uh, took apart my coaching in the nicest possible way. But I tell you what, like that kind of uh, that type of you know how, how could you do it better type of stuff. I know you've spoken about it on this week, but actually that journey of towards this. Ever moving away horizon is uh, mm. is quite a scary. Even me asking that question is is a little bit scary. Yeah. And I do go back to what you said earlier and think our challenge as coach developers is to is to build on people's strengths, make them permanent, as you said, Jack, but also to get people to feel really comfortable being nervously excited about trying some new stuff. Mm. Um, so those coaches that you're talking about uh, who are you know doing some stuff slightly differently and they would feel fear at the start, but it's because of your guys' support that they're able to do it and develop. Pretty cool.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Lads, it's been a pleasure. I've loved it. I've written down lots of stuff. It's the <laughs> musings it of a madman. Reese, you need to send me the PowerPoint once yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: When I finish it, I haven't quite finished it yet. I've got time to finish it now though. Good.
0: Lads, have an awesome weekend. Um um, and yeah, and, and actually, where can people find you? So, if people are looking out for some of your stuff, uh, where can they get it?
2: Yeah, I'm just on Twitter. Uh, just I think it's just jackpat six, just j a k p a t. I think six. it's uh, uh,
0: uh jackpat six England
2: students. <laughs> I'll never live that down, will I? Jack
0: Pat
1: six. That down now. Um, yeah, but I'm just on Twitter as well, it'd just be at East 9 um, but they're more than they're, they're, we've got the academy as well. The academy page on Twitter, um, anything really. They're more. you can
2: f- email us as well. Um, well? I'm happy to share my email: at london irishcom Just drop right. me an email if I can help with um, anything.
0: Go and you on. John Fisher is a god at London.
2: <laughs> I can't believe you said. I you live in that down. Oh, I know, I know.
0: Um, <laughs> have an awesome weekend. Stay safe, gone. and we'll uh, we'll catch up soon. Yeah. Like so easy, Cheers.